This week's Beyond the Sessions episode is all about ADHD. And as a mom who has diagnosed ADHD, this is a topic very near and dear to my heart. My whole life, I've had to figure out my own unique hacks to help my neurodiverse brain function in a society that wasn't exactly made with a brain like mine in mind. That is why when I find a product that I think can help parents and kids with ADHD, I am so excited. Excited to share it with you and also to start using it myself. And that is exactly what happened with Best Self. Best Self has so many cool products. They have journals, card decks, organizational systems that are great for all parents, but they're an absolute game changer for those of us with ADHD and really for parents and kids alike. My personal favorite is my Best Self Planner that helps me to stay focused in the midst of running my psychology practice, producing courses and podcast episodes and parenting two kids and just trying to find a way to organize and balance all of these moving parts. Plus, they also have this really amazing set of cards called Little Talk Deck that I use with my own kids and as a therapist with my young patients. And this deck is really great for taking the guesswork out of coming up with engaging conversation topics, and it helps to foster a deep bond and connection. There's truly something here for everyone. And because I told them how much I love their products, they're offering securely attached listeners 15% off your entire purchase with code DrSarahBren15. So just go to bestself.co, that's bestself.co, and use code DrSarahBren15, and then DM me and let me know what you bought and how you are liking it. Ever wonder what psychologist moms talk about when we get together? Whether we're consulting one another about a challenging case or one of our own kids, or just leaning on each other when parenting feels hard, because trust me, even when we do this for a living, it's still hard. Joining me each week in these special Thursday shows are two of my closest friends, both moms, both psychologists. They're the people I call when I need a sounding board. These are our unfiltered answers to your parenting questions. We're letting you in on the conversations the three of us usually have behind closed doors. This is Securely Attached, Beyond the Sessions. So welcome back, everyone, to Beyond the Sessions, our segment of Securely Attached podcast, where we answer your listener questions. Dr. Emily Upshur, Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg, so glad you're both here. Thank you for joining me again. Always. So... Today's question is very near and dear to my own heart because as a person who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood, I very personally know how strategies for managing that can be super vital, um, especially as a parent with ADHD. So let, let me go ahead and I'll read the question. Hi, Dr. Bren. My six-year-old was just diagnosed with ADHD. I've been Googling a bit, but was wondering if you could do a podcast episode with some suggestions for what I can do to help support him as someone new to this diagnosis. Thanks so much. Love listening to the podcast. So, ooh, we have so much I could say about ADHD, but I want to jump. I want to just kind of like hit the ball off to Emily first. Like, what are you, what are some things that come to your mind as like ways that this mom can think about ADHD and also support her son and then just, you know. That's a big one. (laughs) Um, I mean, my first thought, as you were saying, that was like trying to organize the categories in my head of like how to support this kid and how the parent could be supportive. And, you know, I think 
that's a big part of it, right? Like coming up with a roadmap and a strategic plan and feeling like you have some of those boxes filled in. And of course they'll move and shift. But I think if this is a six-year-old, you know, you want to, like one of my first things is always having a good relationship with the school and having an open line of communication. So I'm assuming this came up potentially in the school setting since ADHD has to be diagnosed in more than one setting. Um, so open communications with the school, if we're going broad strokes, I'd say at home, having some really structured parenting, right. Strategies Mm -hmm. like laying out, this is big picture. I think we can get into the weeds a little bit more, um, later, but I think it's having sort of a strategy. Like when my child feels, when his body feels out of control, what do I do when he's physically climbing and unsafe? How do I handle that? If he's bothering his sister, how do I do that? If he's not paying attention um, to the instructions mm-hmm. or can't follow multi-step, you know, commands, how do I deal with that? And then socially. So those are the big buckets, you know, socially, like how do I come up with um, social environments or how do I facilitate play dates or those types of things that are, that are setting my child up to be successful? How do I make sports or creative art, uh, artistic activities more successful. So I think it's like really taking a big picture, looking at these massive buckets mm-hmm. that are our ch- children's lives and coming up with the people, you know, that can help us support us in those sort of a plan for how that might go, which knowing it'll always change, but really sort of like a strategy and then the communication, you know, back and forth between those environments and how we I know I didn't really answer your question, but I think it's a big one and it's sort of hard mm-hmm. to to figure out how to where to start, like where to dig in. But those are would be right. my big balloons. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I also think like I think understanding a little bit about the ADHD brain too, and like what one of the things that makes ADHD ADHD is like a difficulty in regulating attention and other executive functioning skills, including like emotion regulation. Um, but like if we have a view of the, of a, first of all, so I think that's step, step one, my step one, I like your steps too, (laughs) but I think my step one is like understanding a little bit about how the ADHD brain works. Mm -hmm. Um, she says, this mom says she's Googling a bit and I, my guess is more than a bit because this is how, like, I'm the same. Like we go down these rabbit holes. There's so much information. It's very overwhelming. I feel like finding like a source of really vetted information, probably through maybe connecting with your pediatrician or like a mental health professional or the person that gave that diagnosis, right? Like instead of Google, because it can be really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, can you just interrupt you for a second, Sarah? Because that's what I was... I think it's really important when there's a new diagnosis, I see the word Google and Google can be tricky. Whereas we are, you know, three mental health professionals who know what the trustworthy sources on this are. And there's some amazing places to go. Attitudemagazine.com. I forget the exact website, but we can find it and put it in the show notes, but ADD kind of in caps. Um, mm-hmm. Russell Barkley is a Russell real, Barkley. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book recently that came out this summer, I believe that I 12, 12 kind of truths about ADHD or 12. It's just really boiled down in like very um, simple language and it's all science-based. And then the last book that I always recommend to families, including my own, because we have an ADHD person um, is 
I think it's by Sharon Saline and it's what your ADHD child wishes you knew working together to empower kids for success in school and life. And it's based on like a lot of, lot of interviews of kids with ADHD and the things Mm -hmm. that they wish grownups knew. Mm-hmm. that's where I would start, honestly. I mean, we can certainly talk on this website about kind of broad strokes, but like there's really, really good resources out there. And Google, it's not always your friend, but I, those are the three that I would start with. And Emily and Sarah may have others to add, but I think it actually, it is such a big topic and so overwhelming that I don't want to do this listener a disservice by just like, here's what I'm thinking about today when it comes to ADHD, you know, like right. they're like a more methodical reading through, I think is actually worthwhile. Um, right. That's where I would go. I love Russell Barkley. So I would definitely recommend anything Russell Barkley. There's uh, there's also social media attached to his work and, and it's really research-based and a lot of cutting edge stuff and has always been that way. So I, I support mm-hmm. that wholeheartedly. And very also, I mean, it's research, but I don't want parents mm-hmm. to get about it. it has to do with the brain. You know, it's like, yes. And it's very, just like you can take away concrete tips you know, within minutes. I guess the other thing I think that, that I love your point there, um, cause there's another book called smart, but scattered. And I Mm -hmm. think, um, I really love, I recommend that book a lot too, because I think one of the things that, you know, it's Sarah back to your point, I think in the beginning of a little of like, what is the brain like is like, there's a lot of misconceptions around ADHD, right? Like Mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with intelligence really. They're they're different things. And so I think it's, it's, it's important to educate yourself on, on exactly what the brain was happening. And the other thing I kept like thinking this whole time was, you know, so your child, your six-year-old gets a diagnosis of ADHD. Like, what does that look like for your child? Right. We're, we're really talking about a collection of symptoms and they're going to be unique, you know, for, for different children and different, you know, like ages and, and really like the question, the thing I always say to parents is I'm, I'm going to probably treat your kid the same regardless of if they have a diagnosis or not. It's sort of going to be helpful and containing and I think give some direction, but, but like thinking about what the biggest symptoms are for you and your child and how to address those is also a probably a better place to start than like learning everything under the sun about ADHD, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So one one broad strokes point that I actually should have started with that I think is important that originally I think I heard from Russell Barkley is just how um, what a misnomer ADHD is mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. that kind of a really big disservice we did ourselves as a field and we did families aiming <laughs> at that because it's actually more of a an executive functioning and emotional regulation disorder. Yep. And so a lot of times parents will say, well, I know my kid doesn't have ADHD because they're not hyper and they have no trouble paying attention. And it's sort of like, mm-hmm. okay, I understand why you would think, <laughs> that that would <laughs> but as it turns out, you know, tricked you. Um, there's so many symptoms just to your point, Emily, of how different it can look. It really can look vastly different from one child to mm-hmm. the next, depending on the presentation. Um, mm-hmm. And so just to be aware of that. Yeah. It also can present really differently in girls and boys, which I think is another thing. Like a lot of girls, I've heard some statistic like, um, I'm going to ruin the statistics. I don't remember it exactly, but it's something like 50 plus percent of women who have ADHD are not diagnosed with it because it, it doesn't, girls tend to internalize their symptoms more and 
boys tend not to. That's not obviously not always the case, but it's just more common for girls to fly under the radar. I think we're getting better as a field of recognizing the different ways that it can show up. But I think it's, you know, like I, I did not get diagnosed until I was an adult in part because I had all these compensatory strategies that worked and nobody knew. And it was in looking back now it's almost like, oh my God, it's so obvious that I had ADHD, but it was like those things in and of themselves did not raise a bell. And it wasn't until you looked backwards and were like, duh, duh. Um, but my, I guess my point to that is like, it's, it's not always as obvious. Um, and a kids can have strong compensatory strategies that, that mask it and, some don't and it's more, it, it breaks through the surface more obviously. Right. So that would be kind of when it's there and not perceived or diagnosed. And then the other thing that happens with ADHD is that it's not there and then it is perceived and diagnosed. And that happens a lot in boys, young boys, particularly boys of color. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those diagnoses that, you know, is both over and underdiagnosed at the same time. Mm-hmm. if you slice the pie differently. And so, you know, frankly, the best thing about this listener's question, I thought is that she got the diagnosis. Like it wasn't like, I'm wondering if my kid has this and I've, you know, taken a deep dive on Google or I fit, you know, because, Mm -hmm. because it it is a real diagnosis when ADHD is there, it's real. There are differences in your kid's brain. It's important. It's common and highly treatable, but really, um, it's a thing. A lot of people in older generations don't necessarily mm-hmm. think it's a thing. It is. There's a ton of science. And because it can look so different in different people, there's a tendency either to discount it as important or misdiagnose it or misunderstand it. And that's why I think are pointing you toward real evidence-based um professionals and mental health professionals who've devoted their lives to this is kind of the best service we can do. And I think even as a parent, right, as a parent, I have a child with ADHD and as a parent, I think it's a good reminder, right? Because you see (laughs) it's internally frustrating as a parent to see your child be, have these really inconsistent pockets of things they can do, right? Like my child can build complex Lego systems and complex like things and sit for hours and do that and can't attend to five minutes of a math worksheet or can, but it's much more painful. Right. So I think as a parent reminding ourselves of that too, in terms of the question, this, right, this um, listener's question of like how you can be supportive is also like, you might learn all this, but you might have to remind yourself over and over again of some of these things, because it's really, it is, it's, it's not, um, to Rebecca's point, it's a different brain. It's a different type of, um, you know, it's a different type of interaction with the world. And so mm-hmm. if you don't have like, you know, I don't definitively don't have ADHD. It's, I have to be very, very mindful to really try to understand it so that I can have the best interactions and the most mindful parenting with it. 
Yeah. It's interesting too, because like I think I think we're moving as a field and hopefully as a society more towards this idea of looking at ADHD as from a strengths-based lens of really all diagnostic mental health issues and brain divergences, you know, diverse brains as being strength-based. But this idea of like, okay, for example, Emily, you were just saying that your son can do these really complex Lego systems and hyper focus for hours. That is an example of an ADHD brain not regulating attention. But it doesn't look like what we think of. It's hyper focusing on stuff and that's a strength. But it's still part of the that's part of the dysfunction of the brain. I'm using dysfunction in quotes, but like that's it behaving Anomal- in an anomalous way, in a non-typical way. Um, just like when he sits down to do the homework on the math, he has a hard time regulating his focus and his attention and his you know, body not sitting still. That's all because also, but we, we were very quick to look at that, um, not being able to sit still, not be able to regulate our attention with the math homework and say that's a deficit and then not look at being not being able to regulate your your focus with the with the lego and by not being able to regulate i mean hyper focus for hours on something and we 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 forget to say hey that's actually still the deficit that's still the brain doing its weird thing but it's really really strengths based and so i think i guess my to you know tie this into this listener's question is like how can you look at some of the things that your child's brain does as strengths as, you know, an ability to tap into like complex thinking and things that interest them. It's also an interest-based regulating thing. Like the brain Mm -hmm. of an ADHD person, like can, can regulate attention better when there's a lot of interest. And so knowing that allows you to work with the brain rather than against it. How do you gamify things for a kid? How do you take, they, ADHD brains don't like boring, mundane, non-novel things. Um, They like complexity. They like things that are interesting to them. So if you can infuse mundane, boring tasks that your ADHD kid wants to tend to avoid, if you can infuse them with things that they're interested in, making it a game. We talk about gamification a lot when we're working with kids with ADHD. You can activate that interest so you're basically kind of hacking a little bit of like what makes their brain unique and special. So that's just something to think about and a, like a, a thread to pull on, you know, like go find resources that say strengths, that, that'll look at it through strengths-based lens, which, you know, I think Russell Barkley does well. Yeah. And I think even if it's not so much like active in those moments, like I think that's a great point not to undervalue that. But I also think sort of balancing out your child's life too, like making sure, you know, if one area is a real struggle, that there are areas that they really, that builds them up, that builds, you know, that, that resonates for them. So let's say, you know, school is hard, but they love guitar, you know, make sure that you prioritize and value and give sort of weight to those other interests that are, you know, you know, self-esteem building and competency building and, and to your point, strengths-based things, because, there are a lot of, um, uh, you know, we could flip this up, upside down. There's a lot of good qualities um, as well. Yeah. 
I love that. And so I do think like, just to sort of summarize, one is learn a little bit about the, the neuro, like the structure of the ADHD brain. Learn a little bit about what makes an ADHD brain different, how, what it means to regulate attention or regulate executive functioning skills or regulate emotions. Like if you can kind of learn about that, you're going to be in a really good place in, in terms of just understanding what's happening when your kid is having a hard time with something. Um, how to look at it from a strengths-based lens and then really being, you know, thoughtful about where your sources of information are and like going to those before you go to Google. I think if you start there, you'll have a lot, lot to work with. And then another thing that Rebecca said that I think is really important is, you know, get an actual diagnosis, you know, because this is not so obvious necessarily. Like it can be, you know, it can be something that is like a child who looks kind of quote unquote classic ADHD might not have ADHD, a kid that doesn't might. So if you're not sure, if you don't really have a, if you could feel like something's not right, but you're not really sure what it is, or you think it's ADHD, but you like, it's worth it, I think, to go and actually meet with a mental health professional who can actually diagnose. Um, and that may or may not involve a neuropsych evaluation. And that's not the only, like you, yes, a neuropsych evaluation is pretty much the gold standard for getting a diagnosis of ADHD, but there are other ways to get that diagnosis um, that aren't as intensive. So, you know, you can always, I think if you go to our website, Emily, our website, the Upshur Brian.com. We have resources mm-hmm. there as well um, for if you're in New York State, you know, obviously for working with a mental health professional that is able to diagnose ADHD. If you're not in New York State, then you can check with your pediatrician because they'll definitely know where to send you. But I hope this is helpful. Yeah. Thanks. Always such a pleasure to be here and have these conversations. Thank you so much for listening. As you can hear, parenting is not one size fits all. It's nuanced and it's complicated. So I really hope that this series where we're answering your questions really helps you to cut through some of the noise and find out what works best for you and your unique child. If you have a burning parenting question, something you're struggling to navigate, or a topic you really want us to shed light on or share research about, we want to know. Go to drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question to send in anything that you want Rebecca, Emily, and me to answer in this new series, Securely Attached Beyond the Sessions. That's drsarahbren.com forward slash question. And check back for a brand new Securely Attached next Tuesday. And until then, don't be a stranger.